back at Bible Baptist, and uh, we're so thankful to be able to be here tonight, and we're praying for your preacher um, as he's up in Stanton, Virginia, and uh, you can tell I know how to pronounce that, it's not Staunton, and uh, so Stanton, Virginia, but what a joy to be able to be here. We do have some of our folks, and I'm going to put them on the spot right now and uh, ask them if they would, including my wife. And, uh, and so I'm going to ask that whole row to stand up if they would right there. And uh, we're so thankful to be able to have them stay standing for a second. Of course, my beautiful wife on the, on the aisle end right there. And then Miss Darlene Parker beside her. And then Diane and Scott McCormick and uh, standing there. And then Tim Kessler and Mike Rossi. And uh, so we're so thankful you all can be seated. And uh, I'm glad that they are with us for this week and um, been able to be up at the, the, uh, the ministry and working in the print shop up there and uh, thankful for all that the Lord's doing. Putting our fingerprints on the gospel is, uh, is how I explained it to our church. We bring greetings from Granite State Baptist up in Concord, New Hampshire. And I want to say I'm thankful to be here this week. And you say, well, of course, you're at Bible Baptist. Well, my deacon, we were on the phone with him today, and uh, one deacon in one town just south of us uh, shoveled out from 27 inches of snow that they just got yesterday. One day, 27 inches of snow, deacon on the other side of town got 19 inches of snow, and uh, I said, it's sunny and 55 degrees down here, and I said, we're doing just fine, and uh, so they are digging out and uh, but do pray for them. Uh, there's a lot of things that take place during storms like that, and especially our elderly, and uh, as they're cleaning up. But it's already going to be 45 to 50 degrees tomorrow. And uh, but we're so thankful for all that the Lord's doing. God's been good to us. And uh, listen, no matter what is going on in our lives, we can still say that God is good. And uh, we can have that assurance, and I'm thankful for that. And so let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, turn over to Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. Do pray we'll uh, fly on back on Saturday morning. And uh, looking forward to services on Sunday back home. And uh, so we're sure praying for your church, especially as you go into Jubilee, starting a a week from Monday. How many are ready for Jubilee? And uh, asking the Lord to be able to work in a special way. And uh, so you be praying. Spend some time fasting and praying over the next week and uh, asking the Lord to be able to work. And I've been praying towards that. And I believe a couple years ago I was preaching here on a Wednesday night and it was preparing to be able to go into Jubilee. And uh, so I was praying that direction this evening and praying that God would help maybe prepare hearts and even though I may not be here physically, I want you to know that I do uh, live stream a lot of the services while a lot is taking place. So just know that it's going out over the airwaves and reaching about 1,200 miles north. And, uh, and so we do watch the services and ask God to be able to help us through all of that. And so Romans chapter number 13, I want to start reading verse number 8. The Bible says, Oh, no man anything, but... To love one another. Boy, that's a statement, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm going to read down through verse number 14, but can I say this? I, I get a little bit grieved, and I appreciate the brother as he was handing out gospel tracts and, and loving on people. But I said, you know, it's a, it's a sad testimony to the people of God, not Bible Baptist Church, 
to the people of God across our nation when we walk up to a sinner and they say, you people hate me. I said, you know, that ought not to be said about God's people. If there is any group of people that ought to be loving sinners, it ought to be God's people. You say, well, why is that? Because such were some of you. And Paul saying, listen, owe no man anything but to love one another. And can I say we ought to be marked by saying, I'm not endorsing sin, but it ought to be, I know they don't agree with my sin, but you know something, those people love me. Boy, I'm asking the Lord over and over and over if he would put the love of Christ in our hearts to be able to show this world that's around us. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this, namely, saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. I want us to come back in verse number 11 where it says, In that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. And I want to preach for a little while this, this evening on this subject matter on quit sleeping on the job. Quit sleeping on the job. You say, Brother Peter, what do you mean? Well, I, as I was praying towards this evening and I was praying towards you and the church and myself as I'm live streaming and those that will gather in and be able to spend the time together in Jubilee in another week and a half. I said, you know, it's time to wake up. And it's time to quit sleeping on the job and we can sit around all day long and all week long and all month long and I'm sure they'll be preaching and they'll be getting amens and hallelujahs on how wicked it is across our nation and how wicked our capital is and how wicked your capital is and how wicked sin is across our nation. And, and listen, we can sit in camp meeting and we can rejoice at the preaching and we can say praise the Lord and we can say yes, they're a bunch of heathens and yes, it's a bunch of wickedness when really we ought to be taking the mirror of the Word of God and we ought to be looking 
looking upon it and we ought to allow the reflection to be able to come back and to be able to give us the biblical truth that the problem is not across this nation but the problem is sitting in our pews and in our churches across this nation. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, knowing the time, it's time to wake up. It's time. Now listen, I've never met anybody that needed to wake up that wasn't first asleep. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, it's time to wake up. You know why? Because you're sleeping. And I believe Paul is encouraging us. Now let's listen. In the context of the scripture here, we really see the reality and the need of loving our neighbor. You understand what the context of Scripture here is here. He started in verse number 8. Love one another. The end of verse number 8. He that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. The end of verse number 9 says thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse number 10. Love worketh no ill. The end of verse number 10. Love is the fulfilling of the law. We understand down through here in the context of Scripture what the Apostle Paul is encouraging the saints here at Rome of saying, listen, it is time to wake up because there are neighbors that are all around us that need and they bear the necessity of the love of Christ to be able to flow through us. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of love worketh no ill. It's time to love our neighbors. It's time to owe no man anything but to love one another. In the midst of all that, it's high time to awake. So I wonder this. I wonder why that he would say to the saints, wake up in the context of loving one another. Well, he gives us a few thoughts as we come down through in the verses that we read. But first of all, in verse number 11, I want you to see that the true end of times is coming near. The true end of times. You say, what do you mean? Well, look what the Bible says at the end of verse number 11. He says, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now, how many would say amen that we are closer to the coming of the Lord today than what the Apostle Paul was 2,000 years ago when he was writing to these saints here at Rome? We are closer to that today. Now, listen, not only are we closer than what the Apostle Paul was, but we are a week closer than what you were last week at this time when you sat in church on Wednesday evening. Listen, we are closer than we were on January. January the 1st of this year, every breath that we take, every beat of our heart takes us one step closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, can I remind us? Now, listen, we could shout the glory down right now and say Jesus is coming back. But can I remind you, that's not the context of Scripture here in Romans chapter number 13. He's not saying shout the glory down because Jesus is coming back. He's saying 
wake up and get out of bed. It's time to quit sleeping on the job. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. Because our end times are really upon us. Listen, as soon as the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back, the book of the Revelation is going to be a reality for those that are here. Listen. I understand, and we spent a lot of time last year and the year before that going through the book of Revelation. Seems like the past few years that church after church after church is going through and saying this is what the end times are going to be like. And we read down through there, and just about every midweek service after we got past chapter number four in the book of Revelation, I would end that service after we read about this vial, and we read about this trumpet, and we read about the cup of the wrath of God and we read about the judgments would end that service by saying I want to thank the Lord that I'm not going to be here during that time. I still believe we're going to be taken out of here. I still believe that God's coming back for his church and that we're going to see our Savior face to face but can I say this until that day there's still people that are here on the face of the earth that have never heard the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my brother, they think we hate them. And I'm thinking of all people, we ought to be the ones spreading the love of Christ and what Christ has done. He nailed it right on the head that, listen, there is no greater expression of love than to tell someone what Jesus did for them on Calvary. But here's the problem. We're asleep on the job. Because we're just kind of coasting on in. We're just trying to endure till the end. We're just trying to hold on. We're just trying to be complacent. No, I believe it's high time, as the Bible says, to awake out of sleep, get our head out of the sand, quit sleeping on the job, and say, God, what do you have for us? Because the end times are coming. I believe we ought to be doing more for the Lord Jesus Christ than what we have ever done before. I believe the church ought to be looking for every avenue that we can to be able to get the gospel into the hands of people before the Lord comes back. We just had a young man up at our our church this past weekend and his ministry is based out of Maryland. And uh, his ministry for the past couple of years is he's just going from college campus to college campus across our nation, having outreach days, giving the gospel out. How many believe our campuses here in America and around this world need the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? We can sit back and complain about them all day long until you've walked on there, tried to give the gospel, and tried to make a difference there. We had some of our young men that met with him over the weekend, and here was the goal. They went down to our local college campus in our town praying that God would give us that campus for the cause of Christ. I told our church, I said, listen, you say, well, we got this opportunity and this opportunity. I said, I'm looking around our region and saying, God, what's another point of contact? What's another place that we can have to be able to get the gospel? You know what it's going to take? Hey, listen, first century church, without the tools that we have today turned their world upside down with the gospel. They didn't have Facebook. 
They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have live streaming. They didn't have the internet. Hey, listen, New Testament church didn't even have a complete Bible. They had the same indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that we sit here tonight as a child of God living inside of us. Same Holy Spirit of God. Then why haven't we done it? I'll tell you why. Because I believe we're falling asleep on the job. You know why, listen, year after year after year that there's a a missions camp meeting, do you understand why there's a jubilee? It's not just to come in and work 20 hours a day. And to provide three meals a day and to write checks and to take care of the hotel and to be able to provide the food and to be able to love on some preachers. That's not the purpose of the whole thing. The purpose is, Lord willing, it will wake up the people of God to be able to take something back with them. To be able to get stirred up and to be able to go reach their Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. The end times are coming. Now listen, you probably did this with your kids the same way we did it with our kids. But whenever it was time to be able to go to sleep, how many ever played a lullaby for them? I know y'all probably more spiritual than that. Rockabye baby, whoever came up with that one anyway. Cradle falling out of a tree. I mean, no wonder the kid's not sleeping at night. You play some soothing music and you you get the baby to be able to go to sleep. Hey, listen, I believe the devil has been a master over the past several decades at just playing a lullaby for the church of the living God to be able to just fall asleep on the job. You say, well, I don't hear any music playing. No, but I wonder what your lullaby is. I wonder what it is that the devil has used in your life and in my life just to be able to soothe us to be able to go to sleep on the Lord. I wonder if it's the possessions of this world. I wonder if it's the nice, comfortable lifestyle. I wonder if it's the the life of ease that we have here. Well, preacher, I got all the money I need. I don't need a thing. We've gotten to the point in America, we don't even need God. And listen, it's not just the world that's out there that doesn't need God today. It's our Bible preaching churches on a weekly basis. Listen, that if they were just to continue to go on and the rapture had taken place, listen, they would be business as usual. And no power of God evident in their church. But then may I say this, it's not just the world and it's not just crept into the church, but family after family after family have no power of God upon their lives. May I take it a step further? It's not just the families, but preachers across this nation. Hey, listen, it's easy to get up and just go ahead and preach the sugar stick of a message. And say, well, this worked at the last place. Missionaries up there in Cleveland this week getting ready to go on deputation. Hey, I read a quote early this morning that said, listen, when we get to the point, and it was in the context of how many times do you preach a message over and over again. I've had missionaries walk up to me, and if it's what God told them to do, that's fine. They walked up to me and they said, you see that message right there? I raised 45% of my support off that one message. That's what was said to me, seriously. I'm thinking, 
I pity your wife and kids right now. They've had to listen to that 150 times as you've been traveling around preaching the exact same message. I said, you haven't gotten anything new from the Lord. And I said, if you haven't gotten anything new, I said, they haven't got anything new. Hey, missionaries know exactly what I'm talking about right now. <coughs> and I did the same thing. Read a quote earlier this morning said, how often should you be preaching it? They said, listen, when it quits working on you, it'll quit working on the people. And I thought, it's real easy to go through life and get into our lullaby and fall asleep on the Lord and just be able to go through the motions. But can I tell you, the true end times are on their way. And our salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ is closer to coming back today than what He was yesterday. Let me ask you, what did you want to get accomplished for Christ over this year? Do you understand we're almost three months into this thing? Do you understand next week starts spring? Winter's past. You understand one season's over with. We only got three more for the rest of this year. Hey, there is time to be able to do something for the Lord. The true end times are coming. The night is far spent. It's daytime. It's not time to sleep in the day. But I want you to see this. I want you to see what the Bible says in verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore... Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Do you understand? You say, why should I not sleep on the job? Why should I wake up? Listen, I'm just looking to coast on in. Can I encourage us? It's not time to do that because the tragedy of sin that is abounding around us. You say, what do you mean the tragedy of sin? Look what the Bible says. Cast off the works of darkness. Now, let me ask you something. When he says cast off the works of darkness, who's he talking to in verse number 12? Do you understand what Paul says here? Let us. Was he saying you need to go to the government of Rome and tell them to cast off the works of darkness? No. Do you understand he was looking in the mirror and he was including himself in that statement? Do you understand that Paul was saying, listen, saints at Rome, let us cast off the works of darkness. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying it's just like waking up in the morning. How many have ever had to rub them sleepers out of your eyes because of sleeping through the night and get up so that you can see clearly? Listen, it is high time spiritually that we as God's people, as God's people, cast off the works of darkness that's in our lives. Listen, I'm talking sin that is present in lives that are sitting in this auditorium tonight. That we say, God, we want you to do something in our church and across our nation. And what God is saying is, listen, why don't you clean up your life? Why not that hidden sin that is there in your life, in my life? Why don't we say, God, why don't you start right there? It's not the world that needs to clean up. The world is living like lost people tonight. I don't expect anything less from the unregenerated lost world. 
But can I say when God is desiring to move, listen, judgment must first begin at the house of God. We must examine our lives. You say, well, preacher, I'm doing pretty good tonight. Look at me. I'm even here on a Wednesday night. Hey, I got off work. I came straight here. Everything's fine. I'm spiritual. Hey, I'm not talking about it's the adultery and the drunkenness and the drug use and that type of lifestyle that's killing our churches tonight and killing the power of God. But I do believe it's the hidden sins of dishonesty, of lust, of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of gossip that is harbored in the lives and the hearts of churches across this, this country. And God's saying, can't do anything with dirty vessels. And I believe God's saying, listen, hey, I'm so praying God breaks this thing loose in another week and a half. Boy, wouldn't that be a blessing? But I'm telling you, we better have our hearts ready for it. We better be saying, God, would you search me like God, like David said to God? Saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in, wicked way in Mr. Wilson. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm looking in the mirror of the word of God. And God, would you search me? Can I say this? I'm not really worried about the sin that's in your heart. I believe the Holy Spirit of God will speak to your heart. You need to get it right. I've got enough in my own heart because I'm wicked, sinful, and undone as a human being. And I'm saying, God, I need you to work in my heart and life. And God, would you do something? Listen, we've gotten to the point sin's abounding in our nation. It's abounding into our churches. Holiness has just become a byword in most of our churches and families. What's it mean to be holy? What's it mean to be separated from the things of this world? It's time we quit sleeping on the job. And what God has called us to do, it's time to be a holy and separated and peculiar people. Listen, living right and righteous is necessary if we're going to spiritually wake up and do something for the Lord. How many have ever come to the realization, listen, and God speaks to your heart about sin that's in your life. It ought to grieve our hearts when the reality of sin is present. It ought to grieve our hearts. I was told, listen, all through my life, my dad was a Baptist preacher all my life while he was alive. I've been told all my life, listen, you need to keep a short account of sin in your life being unconfessed and asking for forgiveness before the Lord. Keep a short account. Do you understand when you're called to preach, to, to, to pray in a service or something? That's not the time you ought to catch up from a month's worth of sin that you have unconfessed and unforgiven. God may speak to your heart and come down and be able to try to pray with someone here at the altar. Listen, that's not the time. You need to be ready to be able to pray. You need to be ready for God to be able to use you at a moment's notice. And I don't want to have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, that family sure needs prayer, but God, would you give me 30 minutes to get right with you before I start praying? God, help me to confess all of this. No, I'm talking sin in the camp that God is desiring in our hearts and lives to, for us to be righteous and to be holy before we can even show the love of Christ to those that are around us. 
He's saying, listen, over and over and over, love one another. Over and over and over, owe no man anything but to love one another. Love worketh no ill. But in order to be there, listen, make sure we cast off the works of darkness in our life. Can you imagine what God could do? What God could do walking in if we were just ready for revival. That, that listen... It didn't have to be. Now, I, I've told this. Brother, Brother Ricky Gravely comes up and preaches, I mean, Monday through Friday for us up in, up in New Hampshire. And I've tried to tell him the last... You know how much easier it is for a preacher to be able to come in and preach if he doesn't have to take 60% of the time and try to start preaching on sin? But people are just ready for what God has for them. Can you imagine if we walked into services like that? We didn't have to try to get things right. We didn't, we didn't have to start confessing sin. I'm talking about us as God's people now. I'm talking about walking into a meeting that we're saying, hey, listen, preacher, everything's right between us and the Lord. Just tell me what God wants me to do, and I'm all in for the cause of Christ. And we had things right in our hearts and lives, and we were just sitting on go for whatever God had. I'm saying us. The tragedy of sin that is abounding, not just in our nation, but in our churches and in our families, in our marriages, in individual lives. You say, what's the final result? Well, I want you to see this. Starting at the end of verse number 12, we have the testimony of living right. The end of verse number 12, he says, And let us put on the armor of light. Look at all these things that are mentioned down through here. That is our testimony for living right. He says, number one, the armor of light. Number two, we're walking honestly. Notice this little statement there. As in the day. Do you understand the difference on, on how someone acts and walks during the day than what they do at night? Do you understand what the, Jesus said? That men love darkness rather than light. You know why? Because their deeds are evil. And the Lord is saying, listen, at any time, He's not saying we're only walking in the day. He said, but we ought to be walking honestly as in the day. In other words, every moment of our lives, we ought to be living and walking like anybody can examine our lives and we're not ashamed of any action whatsoever before the Lord. As in the day. As when it's clear, as when the sun is shining bright upon my life, I'm not sneaking anything, I'm not dishonest, I'm walking honestly. Then he says this, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. But listen, the testimony is we've gotten rid of all this stuff. But then he says this, but put ye on the Lord Jesus. Now listen, you can get rid of all the works of the flesh. And there are religions around this world that are experts at getting rid of the works of the flesh. But you know what they're missing? Putting on Jesus. You see, they get rid of all the works of the flesh and we go through our motions... 
Hey, there's those sitting here tonight. You may have gone through your religious motions. You may have gone through your mama, your grandma, your grandpa, your parents. Hey, they've gone through religious motions. And you said, I'm, I'm separated from all this. I've done this good work. I've been in church. I've gotten baptized. I've helped this person over here. I've done all those things. I've gotten rid of the works of the flesh. But you've never put on Jesus. And the testimony is not just being religious and separated from the world. But the testimony is to put on Christ. I believe this world is desiring to see. They just don't know what it is. But they're desiring to see a true Christian. I believe they are. I believe they're desiring to see something that's different. What's the answer to it? Putting on Jesus. He says, make no provision for the flesh. You understand in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, hey, I'll read this to you. It's almost the same context of Scripture that Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We understand 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter of Scripture. And he starts talking about the end times that we are going to be raised from the dead. But he comes down in verse number 33 of chapter 15 and says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. And these last six words, I speak this to your shame. You understand, almost looking at some of the same context coming down through. He says, listen, church, church at Corinth, saints at Rome. You understand what the message was that Paul had for both of them? Wake up and do right. That's what he's saying. Wake up and do right. You know why? He closed it in, in, in chapter 15 by saying, some have not the knowledge of the truth. Do you understand? He started it in Romans chapter 13 by saying, Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. In other words, the reason that we are to wake up to righteousness and to wake up to living for the Lord Jesus Christ is because the others that are around us that need real Christians in 2023. They need something that's real, but what's it going to take? It's going to take us to quit sleeping on the job that God has given to us. We understand in the book of John, chapter number 9, even Jesus said in verse number 4, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Can we say... Honestly today, now listen, you have to examine your heart. You have to look into your life and ask yourself this question. Ask the Lord, am I truly spiritually awake? Lord, are you, are you speaking to me? Are you desiring or am I just sleeping on the job? Am I truly spiritually awake? Or let me ask you this, or are we just going through the motions? I had a bad problem when I was a, a little kid. I'll give you some insight into my life. 
I used to sleepwalk almost every night. I did. I don't know how many times I woke up because I fell down the stairs. That I, I'd wake up after I fell down, but I was sleepwalking and I'd walk and I remember it's 13 stairs to the bottom, okay? And I, I'd wake, I'd, I'd sleepwalk and I'd, I'd lay down and think that's my bed right there at top of the stairs. And then I'd roll over. And I'd wake up at the bottom of the stairs. And I thought, do you understand the pain that I went through? And just thinking, but listen, I wasn't awake during that. And I thought, how many people going through life today, spiritually, just going through the motions? But you're not really spiritually awake. It's high time to get back where we need to be. I believe it's time to wake up, put off some things, put on Jesus. And can I encourage you tonight, wake up and live for Jesus. What is it in our lives that God may speak to our hearts? And listen, I would pray that the prayer meeting for revival and for Jubilee, I understand some have already been praying towards that. I'd, I'd be praying it start tonight. That listen, if it hasn't broken your heart for God to be able to do something and to be able to wake you up and wake your church up, you say, Pastor, how much more awake can we get? Trust me, I believe God desires to do something. I believe God's wanting to stir and God's wanting to send a, a mighty move into the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, they're searching all across this nation. And it's going to take God's people waking up. That's what Paul said on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to the saints at Rome and to the church at Corinth. Quit sleeping on the job. Wake up. Live right. Because the world's dependent upon it. As they come and get ready for a song, would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? I'm going to ask the invitation in two ways this evening. First of all, I wonder this. I wonder if God would speak to hearts and there may be a, a sin that's in your life that maybe nobody knows about but you and God. It's time to cast off the works of darkness. It's time to get things right with the Lord. And if God spoke in your heart tonight, I would encourage you to slip out, find your place here at the altar, get some things right with the Lord. But maybe you're here tonight and listen, maybe you'd gather around the altar and just say, Lord, would you wake us up? Would you wake us up? God, would you wake our church up? Would you wake our family up? Would you just wake us up for the cause of righteousness? As they play, as he begins to sing, if God spoke into your heart, why don't you come and do some business with the Lord? Lord, wake us up. Why don't you pray for Bible Baptist Church? Why don't you pray for Jubilee coming up? God, would you wake us up? God, pray for our nation. God, wake us up. If there's something in your life that's holding you back, confess it, repent of it. Get it right. It's time to wake up. How many times do you think the Lord will allow us to be able to hit the snooze button 
on the Holy Spirit of God speaking to our hearts. Oh, just one more time. God is under no obligation. It'll be of His mercy if He revives us. David said over and over in Psalm 119, Quicken me. Quicken, quicken, quicken. But over and over it was according to thy mercy. It was according to thy loving kindness. It's on him. And I'm just asking the Lord, Lord, would you wake us up? Wake us up.